Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Mary has uh, started driving, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. So when she has to go to therapy, it's like, oh, I got to run home. But uh, she, she is doing great, very thankful. Gateway, you've been amazing the way you've taken care of me. And uh, <laughs> by taking care of my wife, you took care of me. And uh, she is uh, recovering well. She's walking with a cane now and driving. And, and uh, she uh, is just doing great. I'm very thankful for it. But I, w- I want to tell you, it was really just a matter of time that something was going to happen just because she just doesn't know any boundaries. And I've got some proof. So uh, take a look at this video for evidence of this was going to happen. One, two, three. <laughs> 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 now I have to, I didn't start laughing until I heard I'm not hurt. And then I started laughing. And this really encourages me. So in case you missed it, I think we ought to watch it one more time. So let's see it one more time, please. It was a matter of time, and so it took an armadillo to finally take her out. But um, anyway, Mary's very grateful, very thankful for your love and your support and your encouragement. And uh, so we we do thank you for that. Well, we've been talking, you know, this past week, for seven days, this church has prayed, you know, uh, a week before that, I had asked the church to write down the names of a family member, a friend, uh, a co-worker that does not know the Lord, and you wrote those names down, and we collected 1,180 names, and then we we took those and we put them on pieces of paper, and last week uh, you you got uh, one of those pieces of paper. And so for seven days, we've been praying for those 1,180 people. And what we've been praying is for the Holy Spirit to be unleashed on those individuals and to draw them to Christ. And so continue to pray uh, because we never know what the Lord is doing in a person's life. We never know uh, when somebody is open to the gospel or, or not. And if you ever say, well, that person just is never going to be saved. I can point way too many examples to you that it would have been very easy to say that about someone. In fact, some of them are in this auditorium right now that easily you could have said that person will never be saved. And they have an amazing testimony of how indeed uh, Jesus came into their life. And it usually was because somebody was praying for them. And so do take faithful, uh, take serious the privilege you have to pray for those individuals. And as we've been talking this month, just about the purpose of Gateway while we're here, and uh, I want to talk about today uh, the sins that, those small sins that can easily sink us, those things that can sink you as an individual, can sink us as a church, and that we just stay mindful of this that could keep us from our purpose. You know, you know the story about the Titanic and uh, on midnight, around midnight on April the 14th, 1912, the unsinkable ship sank. And, uh, and then the ship was found in 1985. And then in 1986, 
they started doing some serious uh, study of the, of the wreckage, two and a half miles deep in the Atlantic Ocean. And they used sound waves to really study. And, and up until then, <coughs> it was always considered that there was a massive gash in the ship that sunk it. And that, that's just what they assumed uh, based on of what happened to the ship. But when they did the study and the sound waves, they were shocked to find out that actually the ship only had six small slits above the watertight compartments, just six small slits. It shocked them. And, uh, but as water just started coming in and as the ocean started coming in, and we got more and more and more, and those six small slits finally doomed the Titanic to its death. And there was no way it was going to survive that. And so sometimes those invisible small things that we consider small things in our lives can actually sink your life, your reputation, your walk with God. And we so easily excuse those small insignificant sins as no big deal. And so, so first of all, let me just get something straight right from the get-go. With God, there are no small sins. There are no small sins. You know, this little sin over here of maybe telling a little fib versus someone who has taken a person's life. In God's eyes, they both had, now obviously those are different sins, but in God's eyes, they have the same result. Sin is sin to holy God. And it's a fallacy on our part to want to compare our sins with somebody else's and to make ourselves feel better thinking, well, I'm not as bad as that person and therefore I'm okay. You know, they've crossed the line, I haven't crossed the line. And, and these are just lies that we buy into. And we've all been there. You know, let's, let's face it, we, we get tired of the routine. Uh, we maybe take a break from God. We get tired spiritually. We stop praying every day or we stop reading our Bible every day. We'll even maybe stop going to our Bible study or our life group. Or maybe we'll even take a break from church and stop going to church. Well, when I do that, I'm creating little slits in my life that ultimately could sink me, that could take me down. And nobody might not see them. Maybe they're hidden from everybody, but they're there. And usually when somebody shows up to a counselor or they show up in my office to share something with me that they've gotten involved in, it seems on the surface as if their life had a catastrophic falling apart. Rarely is that the case. Because usually when you talk to somebody long enough, you can backtrack and find little decisions that were made back here little compromises that were made back here. And then they just cascaded and they became bigger decisions and bigger consequences. So it may seem like 
Their life all of a sudden fell apart, but it didn't. I mean, when the Titanic finally went down, it went down pretty quick. But it was a couple hours process of getting to that place. It, it may seem like your life fell apart all of a sudden, but it was probably months, maybe even years of little bad decisions that build on top of each other. <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm just going to use this as an example. Sometimes people, um, you know, a lot of individuals, they, they just struggle with pornography. And maybe even to the point it's just an addiction. Um, and, you know, when I meet with men, that's usually a question I'm going to ask at some point. How are you managing your lust? Not do you lust? How are you managing it? Because that's important. And so often... We allow little things, we start making little decisions over here. Just give you an example. Maybe you start watching a movie, and uh, maybe it's a great movie, but it, you know, it has a sexual scene in it, and you're, not, you know, and you're sitting there going, it's not that bad. And you know, they're actually a married couple. I'm sitting there going, no, they're not. They're two paid actors and actresses. I mean, they're not married. And besides, if they were married, that'd even be creepier. But, but, you know, you start making little excuses and you say, well, this is okay. It's no big deal. It's just a little bit. And, um, and then you just slip more and more into a full-blown addiction. And, you know, it's amazing how a movie or a TV show that has explicit sexual scenes, we don't want to call that pornography. Well, of course it is. Why is it not? Small sins can sink us. So now, as we talk about this, let's begin with God. It's always the best place to begin. Because we're dealing with eternal truth now. And the eternal truth is, it all depends on who God is. Everything depends on who God is. You've heard me say many times at Gateway, and we've been saying this for almost 30 years now, that we have very specific purposes that God has given us. In fact, Jesus said the great commandments, the two great commandments, if you miss those, you miss them all. Love God with everything. Love others as you love yourself. And then he gave the great commission. Go, make disciples, baptize them, and bringing them into the fellowship. And so we are to worship God. We are to minister to other people. We are to evangelize. We are, we are to make disciples of those who respond to the gospel. And we're to fellowship with other believers. That's what makes us a church. And the failure to do those things, well, it means you're not really a church after the heart of God. And when we allow those things that we think are small sins into our lives individually, they creep into the life of the church, they have a direct impact on our purpose. They have a direct impact on your purpose because your purpose individually is to worship God, is to minister to others, is to share the gospel, 
is to make disciples and to be in fellowship with other believers. So my sin, your sin, well, it brings shame on us. And the first thing we want to do is hide from God. So I stopped worshiping. My first major purpose of life, I stopped worshiping. And then when my sin of selfishness, if I let it really dig in deep into my life, then I lose a loss of love for other people because, hey, it's all about me. It's not about anybody else. And so when I let my sin of selfishness take over my life, I stop ministering to other people. You know, a church can be selfish. A church can say, hey, church is all about me. Uh, I want the church to give me this. I, I want the church to provide these things for me. And we make it all about, about ourselves. And we stop ministering to other people because we're too busy, busy ministering to ourselves. And when my sin causes me to, oh, here's what usually happens. Eventually we develop a judgmental attitude. The deeper I get into sin in order to ease my guilt, I want to point out the sins in other people. I want to get the spotlight off of me and put it on someone else. I'll give you a clue. When, when I hear about a preacher that preaches on the same sin week after week after week after week, I usually go, hmm. I wonder what's going on in their life. I wonder what's happened in their life. So my sin <clears throat> causes me to be selfish. My sin causes me to have a judgmental spirit too. Uh, when, I can, when I start judging people, I don't care about sharing the gospel with them. I'm, I'm too judgmental. I'm like, you just wait, you're gonna get yours. God's gonna get even with you. And why would I share the gospel? with you. I'm too busy putting you down. When my little sin grows in my life, it causes me to go deeper into sin. And when I go deeper into sin, the last thing I care about is making disciples. I don't want to be close to anybody because if you're going to make disciples, you got to get close to people. And I don't want to be close to people because they might figure some things out in my life. And when my sin consumes me, eventually it will, it consumes you, then you stop being a part of a church fellowship. You assume people will figure it out. Now, the sins that I'm talking about can be very subtle, just very subtle. So let's begin to look at God and who he is and see what really matters. In Exodus chapter 20, uh, 34, this is the second time that Moses is with holy God. He's already received the Ten Commandments. God wrote them out, cut out the tablet from the stone, and gave them to Moses. And then when Moses found Israel in sin, he says, you're not worthy to receive these. And he cast those stones down, that, those tablets down, and he broke them. So now God is giving him the commandments again. So let's read this story. Then God came down in a cloud and stood there with him, with Moses. And he called out his own name. So he's identifying himself. And his name is Yahweh. 
He said, the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. Isn't that amazing that that's the first descriptive words that God would give? You know, Yahweh, that's the name of God. He says, I am that I am. And Yahweh, that's, that's who I am. And I'm compassionate and I have mercy. I am slow to anger. Praise God. <laughs> We'd all be in trouble. And filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Wow. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. Lavish. <laughs> you know, when you say something is lavish, it's just like overwhelming. It's it's opulent. It's amazing. You know, that was a, such a lavish hotel we stayed in and uh, had everything. Well, he, he, oh, it's like he overgives his love. I forgive iniquity. I forgive rebellion. I forgive sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents. Now, this is a hard verse in scripture. We'll, we need to unpackage this one. I, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Now Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. And he said, oh Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Stay with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people. And then I love the way Moses identifies with his people because they're the ones that sinned. But here's what he said. But please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. Now, let's back up a little bit about the children and grandchildren. Children are not punished because of the sin of their parents, but children, grandchildren face the consequences of the sins of their parents. I mean, if I decided to be really stupid real quick, and make some really dumb decisions. It would immediately affect my family. It would affect you as a church. It would affect my children. It would affect my grandchildren. It would leave a legacy that would wipe out anything I've ever accomplished or done. And it has an impact. You know, you, you see it with a, a family that's full of alcohol and that overwhelms a parent. And then that alcoholism has an impact on the kids and the grandkids and just goes, I mean, I've heard so many testimonies of how a sin of a parent or a grandparent <clears throat> continues to impact a family. Whether it's the shame of it or the influence of it. But God, God's saying, look, sin is serious. And it can affect family, generation after generation. 
all the way up to maybe four generations. It can have that kind of impact. And so you're living a legacy, good or bad, right now for great, great grandchildren that you probably will never meet. And think about that. You have a, an influence on grandchildren that you will never meet because you'll be gone. And that can be for good and that can be for bad. So children that are reared in an environment that loves God, they can still walk away from God, but they can grab hold of that love for God. Children who grow up in an environment where there is no thought of God, yes, children can be saved in that situation, but it might be a hard journey. The effect of a disobedient generation it planted wickedness so deep that it took several generations to reverse it. That's why God put the people, the Hebrew children in the wilderness for 40 years to let a generation die away because their wickedness was so deep. He wanted to take them immediately into the promised land, but it was their wickedness that prevented that. So now Moses is meeting with God and he's receiving the Ten Commandments for a second time. Now, this is something a little, a little interesting. This time, God still wrote the commandments. But this time, Moses had to cut the stone out and to make the tablets himself. And thus kind of began a partnership with God about his holy word. So we have the Bible today. God wrote the Bible but he used man to put it together, just like he did with Moses. And so even though God wrote it, it's man that God used to put it together and to give to people. So Moses is meeting with God. And we know God, this is, this is massive. It's so important that God said, I am Yahweh, I am the Lord. We know God because God chose to reveal himself. If he had chosen not to do that, there would be no hope for you and me. No hope for salvation. But God chose to reveal himself. And for that, we praise him. For that, we are thankful. And on this day, God revealed a fuller picture, picture of his character to Moses and to his people. He showed who he really was. I want to tell you, have you noticed how many things are in transition in our country? Oh, my goodness. It, our country is in such transition. And, and in our world, I mean, we... Things are always changing politically and economically and socially. Our value systems, oh my goodness. The way we're trying to identify things, we're the, the whole woke thing and redefining what a sex is of a person. Well, here's the deal. When God revealed himself, he showed us that he was not in transition. He's not evolving. He's not changing. 
He is the same God that he was 10 centuries ago. He is the same God today. And he's going to be the same God 10 centuries from now. And for that, I am so thankful. I mean, there's so much. I can't put confidence in this world. I can't put confidence in our government. I can't put confidence in society. But I can put confidence in the Lord God Almighty because he does not change. And praise God for that. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. And sadly, there's something else that has not changed, and that is human nature. Our sin nature. Look at the characteristics of God. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's patient. He's love. He's faithful. He's mercy. He's all these things. Now, in James chapter 1, there's a good picture of how sin progresses in us. So let's go there. We started with God. Now let's go to us. James chapter 1. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So it's all about our relationship with him. And remember, when you are being tempted, and you all are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else to do wrong. Temptation comes from our own desires. They entice us. They drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death, spiritual death. So you have in you this enticement that is always pulling on you. And the reason you need to worship God, you need to fellowship with other believers, you need to have quiet time with God. You need to be in the word. You need to be involved in other people's lives. You need to be focused on sharing your faith with other people. You need to be focused on helping to disciple other people. When I focus on this, then this drag lessens. This pull lessens. Well, when I stop doing these things, then this drag becomes intense. And very few people can withstand it. Very few can withstand it. Unfortunately for the Titanic, there was no hope, there was no fix, there was no escaping the reality. The ship was going to die. But praise God, that's not true for us. So what do I do now? 2 Corinthians chapter 7. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So there is a godly sorrow and then there's a worldly sorrow. 
Worldly sorrow, well, godly sorrow, that is um, sorrow that is according to the will of God that's produced by the Holy Spirit. And that's what leads to true repentance. That I, I weep before God about this sin that I've committed that I know is against his word. And, uh, and, and that kind of repentance, well, that's on a spiritual realm. But then there is a worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow that leads to spiritual death. Human sorrow is simply remorse. It has no redemptive quality. It's nothing more than wounded pride at getting caught. It's having one's lust go unfulfilled. That's the kind of sorrow that leads to guilt, shame, despair, depression, self-pity, and hopelessness. People have that kind of sorrow all the time. But God's kind of sorrow is not that way at all. You know, I, I tell you, barely a week goes by that I don't receive a phone call about another pastor who got pulled away, got dragged away by his lust. I had a leader of a church come and meet with me a couple of months ago. And he said, something's just wrong at church. And this church is not in our area, so don't try to figure out which church it is. It's not in our area. Um, he said, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is. I said, well, it's probably a spiritual thing. And, you know, he just shared some of the stuff that was happening. And I said, yeah, there's something deeper going on. I, I would really suggest, you know, y'all just have some time of worship and, you know, you can call it a solemn assembly, but just time where, you know, something separate from Sunday morning, you know, just have a worship night and just a night of confession before Holy God. And so they did that. Well, within a week of that, when they really put themselves before Holy God, sin was revealed in the senior pastor. And um, so that church today is going to find out about it. And I grieve for them. I pray for them. But I reminded my friend this morning, I said, look, uh, your church is Jesus's church. And he will take care of his church. This, this happens way too often. And it can happen in your life so quickly. That's why I have to take sin very serious. Because God does. But I'm thankful that this doesn't have to end there. Again in 2 Corinthians. It says, but thank God. He has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are, are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, 
We are a dreadful smell of death and doom. Do you get that? You as a believer, for someone who hates God and runs from God, you're a reminder of what's awaiting them. And it frightens them. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? Now, Paul uses this imagery that his his readers would have understood. When a general had a great victory in the Roman army, uh, they would have a triumph parade for him in Rome. And he would lead this triumph entry into Rome and, and, and going towards the emperor. And they would throw the flowers in the streets uh, in his honor. And as the horse's hoofs would trample upon those flowers, it would release the fragrance of those flowers. And it would give this sweet smell to everyone. And, and, and when the emperor could smell that fragrance, it, it was pleasing to him. Well, God is the same way. <clears throat> when we are triumphant, and only in Christ can we be triumphant, it releases a sweet perfume, an odor for him that's pleasing to him. When we confess our sins, that's pleasing to God. When we have victory over our sins, that's pleasing to God. And when we live a life that is honoring to him, that pleases holy God. The world is changing, but God is not. So what small sin are you entertaining right now in your life? Stop it while it's small. Now, we're going to have a prayer time. And I want you to just humbly close your eyes before the Lord and just ask of the Holy Spirit. Lord, is there... Is there an attitude in me? Maybe it seems small and trivial right now, but it could eventually sink me. Is there something that I'm doing that's dishonoring to you? Am I uh, not taking serious a sin because I don't think it's a big deal, but you do? Lord, have I convinced myself it's okay because all my friends do it? God will never buy that excuse. God, I want to be serious about life because you're serious about it. And when he reveals something to you, you know what's so cool? You just confess it. God, break my heart over this because it breaks your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for this sin so that I don't have to. Father, give me victory over this temptation. Let it no longer drag me down. Give me victory. Give me victory. Let my life be a fragrance that pleases you. In Jesus' name.
Amen.